Good morning and Merry Christmas, everyone. Uh, my name is Pastor Chris, and it is just good to be with you this morning to celebrate and to sing and to and to open up the scriptures together as we as we celebrate this Christmas season. I think we have to admit that that Christmas is just one of those holidays that like all, nearly everyone celebrates. Right? I think the pollsters say like 90-something percent of Americans, regardless of their religious affiliation, celebrates Christmas in some form or fashion. Right? Like, like you don't have to be a Christian. Uh, you can be a non-Christian, but you're still in some way partaking in, in, in Christmas. Right? Now, to be sure, not everyone celebrates Christmas the same way. Uh, and, and not everybody celebrates Christ at Christmas. But hardly any of us can get away from its draw, from its just natural gravitational pull. We do the decorations, we do the dinners, we sing songs with lyrics like, Joy to the world, the Lord is come. I mean, you gotta admit, that's fascinating, right? Like, that's fascinating that this one time of year, You'll find songs about Jesus like almost everywhere, on the radio, on TV, even at the grocery store. Like I was at the store just the other day and they were playing um, a little town of Bethlehem uh, piping through the speakers. A few years ago, <laughs> I actually came to this realization um, about one of the more secular uh, holiday songs. This, the, uh, I came to this realization about the song, uh, you know, Baby, It's Cold Outside. Like... A lot of us are like, hey, oh yeah, that's a catchy song. Well, have you also ever noticed that that's a creepy song? <laughs> right? Like, like, how many of you guys have noticed that? Have you ever actually listened to the lyrics of that song? Like, in the song, this girl is singing about how her date with this guy is over and how she needs to go home. And she says, no, I really can't stay. And the guy's like, well, baby, it's cold outside. And she's like, well, the answer is no. And he's like, but baby, it's cold outside. Like, like that's messed up. Right? Like that is jacked up. When you actually listen to those lyrics for the first time, you start to notice how disturbingly creepy it is. As a matter of fact, just about a year ago, I think it was John Legend and Kelly Clarkson, uh, they decided to reboot the song. Uh, and so when she sings, like, hey, I ought to say no, 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 John Legend sings, well, then you really ought to go, go, go. Right, and then he starts singing these lines about how he's calling her a cab, and how she needs to be ready in a hurry, and her driver's name is Murray. Right, like, and, and like they, they did this whole reboot because people started actually listening to the lyrics of the songs and realized, like, 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 hey, like, so, something's wrong here, right? Like these these song lyrics are just are just wrong, uh, and so they redid it. And the reason I bring that up. Is, uh, is to, to just have us ask this question, like, what about all of these Christmas carols we sing each year about Jesus? What about all these songs, these Christmas carols, carols that we sing about Jesus? Like, when we actually take a moment to, to stop and zoom in and, and consider the lyrics that we sing about joy coming to the world, uh, uh, you start to notice like how this Christmas story truly changes everything. Like if Christmas is just a legend, then that means we're just left to our own to make ourselves right again. But if Christmas is true, 
then God, by his sheer loving kindness, has stepped into our mess to save us by his grace. You see, the Christmas story of Jesus' birth, it changes everything. Human history literally divides at his birth from B.C. before Christ to A.D. Anno, or Anno Domini, which means the year of our Lord. Jesus is a man of whom more songs have been sung, more books have been written, more art has been commissioned than for anyone else who has ever lived or who ever will live. And today we are gathering, uh, even virtually, we are just gathering uh, with billions and billions of Christians all around the world and throughout history just to take a break from our regular affairs and to worship, to celebrate, to honor, and to come and let us adore the man Jesus Christ who has forever changed human history. And every year at this time, the world celebrates and sings the same songs and tells the same Christmas story, but have we ever, have we ever stopped to consider the massive significance of this event, the birth of Jesus Christ. You might be familiar with all the characters of the story. You might have the nativity scene set up in your home somewhere. You might know all the different sequence of events, but have you ever stopped to consider what does all this mean? Or more importantly, why? Does any of this matter? So let me tell you a little bit about where we're going to go with this morning's sermon. I know that some of you tuning in are our guests this morning. And this has been a hard year, and, and maybe you're just feeling like uh, uh, just overwhelmed. Uh, you, this has been a hard year, and you're just curious, like, how does Christmas, how does Jesus really make sense of this all? Or maybe you're tuning in because uh, it's just Christmas season and, you know, like going to church or listening to Christmas message is just something that you're supposed to do this time of year. But whatever reason maybe brought you to this live stream, uh, I just want to say I'm, I'm glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you decided to tune in uh, this morning. Our goal as a church family is always to provide uh, a safe space and enough time for anyone who wants to learn about who Jesus is and why he matters. My goal for you, my goal for all of us this morning is that you would walk away with just a bigger and better and more beautiful vision of who Jesus is and why he matters. My goal is for you to walk away with a bigger vision, a bigger and better and more beautiful vision of who Jesus is and a bigger, better, and more beautiful joy because of it. Now to do that, we're going to be looking at some scripture uh, this morning. I think a lot of us, like our version of Christianity uh, is, is moral or it's spiritual or it's political, but not necessarily biblical. 
We need to open God's word if we want to know anything about who he is and why he matters. We need to open up God's word if we want to receive a word from him. And so with that, I want you to, to, to look at this verse in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. In Matthew 1, verse 23, it says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now we're going to spend the rest of our time this morning, the rest of this sermon, on that single word, Emmanuel, unpacking what it means. Emmanuel is sort of a nickname for Jesus that means God with us, as the verse just plainly describes. It means God with us. And the great gravity of the Christmas story, what makes the Christmas story so unique and so beautiful and wonderful is found in those three words, God with us. And so let's unpack those words. First, let's consider the truth that Jesus is God. Jesus is God. In John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word. Now that, that word, that word, word, is capitalized because it's a proper form of the word, word. So in the beginning was the word. In other words, the creative force, the creative being uh, through which all things were made. In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is the Word. When it talks about the Word, it's speaking of, of Jesus. So Jesus is the Word. Jesus was with God, the Father, and Jesus, the Word, was God. Now this speaks into one of the most beautiful and magnificent mysteries of the Christian faith, the doctrine of the Trinity, which teaches us that there is one God, only one God, but that this one God eternally exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit, all right? So God the Father is God, God the Son is God, and God the Spirit is God. Now, I know that one God in three persons, that the math doesn't exactly add up. That's what makes the, the Christian uh, faith so just beautiful and mysterious to our finite minds. It's important for us to understand here, though, that Jesus himself is fully divine. He is God. You see, pre-existing is pre-existing all things is, is the creator, not the creation. You see, long before the Christmas story, long before his birth in the manger, Jesus already was. He wasn't created at Christmas. He already existed before Christmas, from before time began. You can't measure how long he's been around by laps around the sun because he was there when he made the sun. And this first key point changes everything. You see, the incarnation of Jesus, in other words, his birth in the manger, the Christmas story that we all know about and love, it's not the beginning of Jesus' existence. It's the beginning of his story and ministry on earth. But it's not the beginning of his existence. 
Jesus is the eternal God who gave up his, uh, his claim to uh, uh, just glory. Uh, his glory was, was hidden, and when he came into the form of a child, Jesus born in the manger. You see, if you want to strip down the meaning of Christmas to its simplest point, it would be this that the creator of the universe became a human being to save us. The creator of all took on human flesh in order to save us. That is level one Christmas story. Everything else uh, about the Christmas story follows from there. You see, we need to get that, the significance of that, that Jesus is God. You see, for some of us, Jesus is not much more than a baby right? He's just a baby. He's meek. He's mild. Uh, he's he's uh, domesticated, right? He's just a baby in a manger. Yes, Jesus was a baby in the manger. No, oh, he's so much better than that. He's so much bigger than that. And for some of us, Jesus is, is like a, a great teacher, like, like Buddha or, or Gandhi. Uh, 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 and, and, and yes, that's in some sense true. He was an amazing teacher. His teaching astonished crowds. But he was also so much bigger than that. So much better than that. So much more. For some of us, Jesus is like our homeboy, right? He's a friend of sinners, right? He's, he's our best friend, and yes, Jesus is that, but he's also so much more. For some, Jesus is like a cosmic therapist who gives us great advice, tells us how to live. And yes, he is that in some sense, but he's also so much more, so much bigger, so much better than that. The scriptures testify again and again and again is that Jesus is God. The creator and maker of all. The one who is worthy of all worship and praise. I want you to read these two verses in Colossians with me. These, these two verses in Colossians chapter 1 that, that talk about Jesus. It says, For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Now this verse speaks plainly about Jesus as the creator. It speaks of his greatness, his godness. It says he's the creator of all. He made the whole universe, including this huge galaxy that we live in. Like, and he holds it all together with his sheer willpower. Now, I want the reality of that to sink in for you. That he's more than baby Jesus, meek and mild. That these verses in Colossians tell us that he is the physical image of the invisible God. And before he took on human flesh, Jesus stood above all creation, above everything that you and I know. It all was made by him. It all belongs to him. I want that to sink in for you. You see, it's one thing to know that the Grand Canyon is huge, but it's something else entirely to stand on the edge of the Grand Canyon 
and to look out over the vast, just massive whole of it and to feel the sense of its hugeness. It's one thing to intellectually know that Jesus is God the creator, but it's something else entirely to have this weighted sense of that. A weighted sense of his glory where you can sort of feel it in your bones. Where your faith is more than mere knowledge in your head and it starts to burrow its way down into your heart and starts to change you. Look, I promise you, whatever view of God that you have, whatever view of Jesus you have, whatever view of Christmas that you have, it's not big enough. It's not magnificent enough. It's not beautiful enough. I think part of our issue is we can be so self-consumed sometimes, right? Like when people pass away, we like to find comfort in thinking like, Man, I, I just like to think that, that they're looking down on me right now, right? They're seeing what I'm doing. They're proud of me. That they're just looking down on me, watching over me, right? But, man, what if they're not, right? Like, what if there's something so much more beautiful and better and amazing going on in heaven, right? What if just before the presence of Christ, right, where you've got multitudes of angels bowing down before him singing his praises right in all of his unveiled glory and majesty and beauty the very life force the very person the very creator who made all things receiving all glory and praise and honor uh, as saints and angels are just bowing down before him right like Maybe, maybe that's better than what's going on in the world in 2020 right now, right? Like maybe there's better things to look at than what's going on in our world this year. You see, I, I think we, we need to recapture what it means to, to just have a big view of God to have a glimpse of his sovereignty, to shake before his greatness. When we talk about Jesus as God, his sovereign greatness, that needs to be our starting point, all right? That needs to be our starting point. Just to remember that God, he's other than us. He's great. Jesus is other than us. He is great. He's the one who made us. And because he made us, he therefore owns us, right? He owes us nothing and we owe him everything. Yet here's the crazy thing. Here's the wild thing. The thing that makes Christmas so beautiful is that this great God who's categorically other than us, ontologically different from us, he is also the one who takes initiative to come down and save us. And this is our second point. Jesus is God with us. Jesus is God with us. 
You see, our, our great God, this great God that we've just been talking about and all of his splendor and all his majesty and all his greatness and his infinite worth has come down to be with us, to come alongside us, to not leave us in our own muck and our own mess, but to save us. He is Emmanuel, God with us. We read in the Old Testament, which is the writings that came long before Jesus was born. We read about the prophet Moses. You might recognize him from the story about uh, Moses delivering God's people from, uh, from Pharaoh and the Egyptians, right? And uh, there's this moment where this prophet Moses is up on a mountain, and he asks the Lord, he asked God to see, just he wants to see his full presence, right? He longed to see the glory of God in his fullness of its power. He said, God, I want to see you. I want to see the fullness of your glory. And God basically denies Moses a full view of his glory and instead gives him a, a veiled view. Not to tease Moses, but to protect him. Because the glory of God had such force to it that if Moses were to look right at it, uh, look at it right on, like completely unveiled, then he would just be totally destroyed. The glory of God would just consume him. Do you remember a few years ago when there was like that solar eclipse and everyone was talking about it, right? Like everyone had to get these special glasses if they wanted to, to look at it. Because the idea is if you look at a solar eclipse straight on, uh, it's going to burn your eyes and you could possibly go blind. Like this is this is a similar idea, right? It's kind of like that, but at a much greater scale, right? Now imagine... If Moses, who was denied the fullness of seeing the glory of God, was here, like just here in the present, and heard the message of Christmas, the good news of God with us, of God veiling himself in human flesh, the human flesh of a baby child, so that he could live among us. Imagine that he read verses like the one in, in John chapter 1, where it says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we've seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Like imagine Moses is reading that, right? About how Jesus came, how God, the word, became flesh and dwelt among us and his glory was revealed. Man, Moses would be losing his mind. He'd just go ballistic. He'd go so loud. He'd be running all around and just, 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 just saying, man, do you realize what this means? <laughs> this is the thing that I longed for. This is what I wanted to look at, but was denied. This means that you can meet God intimately through Jesus Christ. His mind would be blown. You can know him personally now in Jesus without getting destroyed. Moses would say, joy has come to the world. You see, Moses was there when the finger of God carved into stone revealing his law which served to reveal how jacked up we are, how far we've fallen short of God's glory. And look, the Jews, they all believed that if any man gained a mere glimpse of the supernatural, he would be sure to die. <coughs> and they knew that because of what Moses wrote, wrote uh, about that. 
<laughs> this is exactly why the angel in Luke chapter 2, when the angel came to announce Christ's birth, the angel proclaims, fear not. He's like, hey, don't worry. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. An angel appears. He's shining in light. The people are afraid. They're thinking they're getting a glimpse of God here because of just the splendor at which this angel appears. And this angel knows, like, oh, the reason they're acting this way is because they think they're going to get destroyed in the presence of God. But the angel is saying, no, look, I'm not, I'm not God. I'm just a messenger here. And I've come to say, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Why did Jesus have to come down to be with us? Man, because of what we read about in Genesis 3. Because of the fall. Because of sin. When sin entered the world, it fractured creation. It's why we live in a broken, fallen, and imperfect world. Anyone paying attention just looks around and knows that things are broken, that things aren't the way that they should be. And the Bible says that every single one of us is broken and sinful from birth. It says that we were brought forth in iniquity. And therefore, we are, apart from the grace of God at work in our lives, we are rebellious against our Creator. We're children of wrath. The Bible says there is none that is righteous. No, not one. Right? No one is, is exempt from that verdict. And so we have this fractured relationship with God, and we face the payment of our sin, which the Bible says is death. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin... In other words, what you've earned because of your sinful nature is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. See, here's the reason Jesus came. The reason he came was to step in the middle of our mess, to bring the peace of his blood shed on a cross, absorbing the just wrath of God and giving us his own righteousness. He took on our sin when he went up on the cross to hang there, absorbed God's righteous wrath, and in taking our sin, he exchanges with us, his own righteousness. See, only Christ Jesus could do this. Only God in the flesh could do this. It couldn't be anyone else. It couldn't be an angel. An angel couldn't bear the load of my sins or yours. If anyone other than God himself was set up as the way of salvation, then our, that foundation would be too frail. But if the one who secured our salvation is the infinite one, the almighty one, if he is God in the flesh, if he is the sovereign maker, the creator of all, the one who holds it all together, the one who has been there since the beginning, the pre-existent one, the unchanging one, if that is our savior, if he is our Savior, 
The man, his shoulders can carry the weight of our sins for sure. That is the point of the Christmas story. It's the true story that Christ the King was born in a manger so that he would go to die for us on a cross. Therefore, it's no longer a terrible thing, a dreadful thing to approach our maker. It's no longer a dreadful thing to approach the God that we've sinned against. It's now a delightful thing. The God who made you, the God whom your life has offended, has come down from heaven, taken upon our nature to save us. This is the best news. That's what gospel means. Good news. This is the gospel. This is why we sing, Christ the highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time, behold him come, offspring of the virgin's womb, veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail incarnate deity, pleased with us in flesh to dwell, Jesus, our Emmanuel. Amen. Close with number three, Jesus is God for us. Jesus is not only God. He's not only God come to be with us. He is God for us. He came to bring lasting joy and salvation to sinners, and he did so clothed in the, in the humble vulnerability of a child. To close, I want to read this great little passage in Philippians 2. I just want you to meditate on the significance of these words. That though Jesus was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. In other words, he didn't give up being God. He just became a servant. He didn't shed his divine nature. He took on a human nature by being born in the likeness of men. Remember, if you were to get, get a glimpse of Jesus right now, just a brief glimpse into heaven, and you saw Jesus as who, how he is right now, if you saw him as, as God in all of his godness and all of his majesty and all of his just magnificence just on full display, man, it would just knock you to the floor. It would cause you to just birth, burst forth in worship. Jesus Christ came without any of that. He was born in the likeness of men. And it says, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. You see, Jesus, God the Son, he lowered himself into the manger and into the grave. He lowered himself into the manger so that he would be lowered into the grave. He lowered himself so that we could be lifted up. He tasted death, human death, so that we could taste resurrection. 
You and I are always trying to fill our lives with counterfeit glories, but we always find end up like tired and, and empty. But Jesus, the one who had true glory, he emptied himself so that we could be truly full in him. This is the good news of the Christmas story of God with us. It's been said that there are two kinds of people, those who love Christmas and those who are hurting during Christmas. Man, if, if you fall in one of, those, one of those two categories, let me just say, if you're one of these people who like love Christmas, my challenge to you is to let this good news, the good news that God is with us and for us, let that be your greater joy this Christmas. More than all the other stuff you love, let God with us, God with you and for you, let that be your greater joy. If you're one of those who are maybe hurting during Christmas, let this good news, God is with us and for us, let that be your greatest comfort. Maybe you're tuning in this morning and you're just not really sure if you're buying any of this. You're not, you're not a Christian at all. But you've heard the invitation of Jesus. You're considering the good news of his birth. And you're coming to this realization that you need to be spiritually reborn. As you're hearing this, you're like, man, I, I want this to be true. I want this for me. I want to live this way, knowing this, celebrating this, worshiping God for this. And if that's you, please know that you can always come to him just as you are. You don't have to clean yourself up to get to him. That's why he came down for us. There is no shame on the other side of the cross of Jesus, only joy in life and God with us. And our prayer is that that truth would be true for you this morning. And for all of us, I just really want us to feel the weight of those three words, God with us. I want to close by reading an excerpt from a sermon by Charles Spurgeon, the great Prince of Preachers. Meditating on these three words, God with us, he says, God with us, it is hell's terror. Satan trembles at the sound of it. The black-winged dragon of the pit quails before it. Let him come to you suddenly and do you but whisper that word. Let him come to you suddenly and do you but whisper that word. God with us. Back he falls, confounded and confused. God with us is laborer's strength. How could he preach the gospel? How could he bend his knees in prayer? How could the missionary go into foreign lands? How could the martyr stand at the stake? How could the confessor own his master? How could men labor if that one word were taken away? God with us is the sufferer's comfort, the balm of his woe, the alleviation of his misery. The sleep which God gives to his beloved, their rest after exertion and toil. God with us is eternity's sonnet, heaven's hallelujah, the shout of the glorified, the song of the redeemed, the chorus of angels, the everlasting 
oratorio of the great orchestra of the sky. I love that. You see, God with us is like a three-word sermon that we can preach at any time of year. I want you to take those three words, God with us. Take that three-word sermon. Hide it. Hide it in your heart. And let your joy grow. Amen. Thank you for listening to the King's Cross Church Podcast. We'd like to encourage listeners to be part of a local church gathering. If you're ever in the Orange County, California area, we'd love it if you'd come by and visit on a Sunday morning. For meeting times and locations or any other information about us, please visit kx.church. There's no .com in that, just kx.church. Thanks again for listening.